You can flip your bulletins back over. I have exactly 20 minutes to preach today. If you come to this church, uh, you know that is physically impossible for me. Uh, just pains me to even think about it. I told them before, I said, my announcements are usually 20 minutes. And so, uh, but I'm going to preach for 20 minutes, and here's why. Because at all of our campuses, we have a substantial number of people that are, that are getting baptized. I think last service, I'm not sure how many were in Limerick. I'm not sure how many are here. I'm just judging from the water that's all over the, the floor. Uh, there was a lot of people that got baptized, and so I'm preaching quickly uh, because we're celebrating uh, baptisms today, and that's all the sermon uh, that we need. But, but I think for some of you, uh, that you're here, and you're not just here, even though you think you're just here, you're not just here to watch somebody get baptized. At all of our campuses, you were probably invited, but I don't think it was by chance. I think God sets up every moment in our lives to do something significant through our lives. And so if you're here, and, and you don't really know about this Jesus thing, and you don't really understand what we believe, and maybe you just came here today because somebody asked you, come watch my baptism, I just want to tell you that if I never get to talk to you again, I'm very glad uh, that you're here. And so what we typically do in our, in, our, in our services is I typically, or whoever's preaching, we typically preach through something called a series, a message series, where we kind of stay on topic for, for a number of weeks so everybody that's coming kind of understands what's going on. And so last week we started a new series on Easter Sunday called The Last Word. And I said the last word in your life is not the last one numerically that's spoken over you. It's actually the word that's spoken over you that sticks with you the longest and impacts you the deepest. So you all know what I'm talking about when I say, who's gotten the last word over your life? Who's, who have you allowed to define you? Who's spoken something over you? Or maybe not even spoken it, maybe done something to you, and it still affects you. And here's the thing, a lie, even if it's a lie that, that is lived out as truth, eventually becomes true in your life. So if somebody says something to you, and you live in response to what they said to you or done to you, eventually it affects you as if it's, if it's true, no matter how angry you are about it. So I believe that Jesus can get the last word in your life, that, that maybe all the other words that have been spoken, all the other things that have been done, all the other issues that have been brought to your life, all the other reasons you have to fail, that when you meet Jesus, that he is greater than all your other, all your other failures. I, I don't know if you've ever been around a situation like this, but have you ever been around a situation where everything starts off the same, and yet it ends up dramatically different? You, maybe, 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 you have a, maybe you have a brother or a sister. You guys grew up in the same household. You had the same parents. Uh, you were probably the older one, because that's usually what happens in these conversations. They were the younger one, right? You were the older one, and you grew up with the same parents, but they were much stricter that, on you than they were on your kid. And just so you kind of cut your parents some slack, what happens is, is the oldest kid is the worst kid, right? And so I'm just speaking from experience. You wear your parents out, so by the time they're on the third one, they're like, you know, as long as, you, as, long as it comes out, you can eat whatever you want. So you want a battery, that's fine. Like, just... As long as you're breathing still. Like, it's what happens in my household. Like, the first one, we're like, no TV until you're three, right? No, no chocolate until you're one. No sweets. And now my, my, my littlest one, Harrison, like, I, I want him to watch TV so that he'll stop. And so I'm, I'm putting him on. I'm sitting him down. And the, the, pray, the sad thing is you need to pray for him. He refuses to watch TV. Like, I don't understand it. I'm like, I'll let you watch whatever you want right now if you just stop. And so it kind of happens. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Another thing that's weird about my situation is, is I have three kids, and we did the same thing to make the three kids. You guys, I don't got to get into details. There's little ears around here. The same men and women do the same thing to make babies. The stork doesn't bring them. Sorry if you have a little kid right now. You know, I don't know if they seem Dumbo or something like that, but that's not how it, that's not how it works. Ask your parents later. So anyway, um, I'm just playing. Don't ask them. Don't ask them that. And so <laughs> somebody gave me the thumbs up. So anyway... <laughs> 
Anyway, so we made babies, right? With God's help, we, we made babies, and we had three of them. And the first one looks like Leah. If you've ever seen him, you'll go, that's, that's Leah's child. He, he has blonde hair. He, he's, he's paler complected. He's lighter features. He, he's, he's, he's high maintenance, all this other stuff. And so... <laughs> I'm just playing, Leah, if you're watching this. And so he's just, he's like, the second one came out completely opposite. Darker features, darker skin, you know, calmer, you, you know, uh, cooler, collecteder, you know. He's, he's a jokester. He likes, to, he likes to, to mess with people. He's constantly pranking people. And so we did that prank to my five-year-old yesterday where he's sleeping and then we slammed the brakes on and he thinks we're crashing. You ever do that to your kid? It's hilarious. And so he cried, which was made it even more funny. And so... <laughs> <laughs> he has my personality. Like, it, 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 don't worry. He's not going to need to count, go to a counselor. He's fine. He started messing with me as soon as it was over. As soon as he didn't think he was dying, we were fine. Then my third one came out, the exact opposite of, of the first one. So they rotated. It was like blonde hair, lighter skin, dark hair, darker skin, you know, blonde hair, uh, lighter skin. And, and the third one is literally, if you've ever seen Looney Tunes, the Tasmanian Devil, that's Harrison. Like, he is... He's a Tasmanian devil. He looks like a little puppy dog, and he tears everything up in his, in his wake. And so stuff starts off the same, ends up completely different. That's what I want to talk to you to, because here's the thing. We're baptizing people today, and many of the people who are getting baptized have been through similar things that you've been through. This is not a place of good people. This is not a place of cleaned up people. The, the tank does not represent holiness. I'm getting in here and, and I'm holy and, I, and I'm impressive and I've done right things. The, the baptismal tank represents death and, and life. It represents all of the bad and all of the sorrow and all of the pain being ended at the cross and then finding new life in Christ. It represents forgiven people, not, not good people. So you're not here to celebrate with an impressive person. You're here to celebrate because Jesus is so impressive that he's over any of the failures you've committed in your life. That his forgiveness is greater than your failures. So here's the question. How do some people's lives who face similar things, say, no one faced similar things to me. There's people who are going to get in on tanks at all of our locations that I know that have been molested, that I know that have been abandoned, that I know that that have been spoken negative things over their life, that I know that have had hardships after hardships. They've experienced death and sorrow and pain. And somehow they meet Jesus and they walk in life and forgiveness and hope. See, what's the difference? What happens to certain people? Why, why do some people face these things and these moments that happen in their life, they can never get loose from them, and then some people experience the same moments, yet they keep going? I want to drop you into a story today. Last week we talked about Barabbas. For the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about different people that were close to Jesus at his death, burial, and resurrection. Today I want to talk to you about two men, and I think most of you have heard about them. Well, this is a very Catholic area, and so most of you know a lot about the, the Easter story, and I think you've probably heard the names Peter. And you've heard the name's Judas. Peter, his reputation is first pope, if you're Catholic, for, for us Protestants. He's, he's, he's a pretty important part of the Bible. He played a pretty, pretty significant role. He, he preached the first message in the, in the first church. 3,000 people got saved. I mean, he was a, he was a father of our, of our faith. And so you have Peter, and, and then you have Judas. And most of us would say this about Judas. He's the bad guy. Like, he's the worst of the worst. Like, nobody, listen, when you, when you have a play, an Easter cantata, nobody volunteers to play Judas. Like, it's not like, yeah, I'll be the betrayer, right? Like, that's, what, that's the part I want. And, so, and everybody wants to be Peter and, and John and, and Jesus especially. And so anyway, these two men are there. And here's the thing about these two men. Their life started out very similar. They both walked with Jesus. They both spent three years with him on this earth. 
They both watched him heal people. They watched him feed 5,000. They watched him heal the, heal the blind. They watched him heal a man that was, that was lame at the pool of Bethesda. They watched him walk on water. They knew Jesus. Yet their life ended up so differently. If you go in your Bibles, I'm not going to have time to read today, but in Matthew 26 and Matthew 27, we see, we see two moments in these men's lives, two very significant moments, two moments that I would call uh, very climatic, very, very important. I, I would say they're life-changing moments. Maybe, maybe you can relate. Maybe you've had a life-altering moment that has kind of set your course. You've been defined by something that's been said or done to you. You've had something that was meant to really scar you and, and damage you. Maybe you made a, a mistake and, and you're, you're ashamed of it in this place. I think these two instances are very similar, yet they end up very different. The Bible says in, in Matthew 26 that, that Jesus has spoken to his disciples and he, he has told Matthew, you're going to betray me before this night is over. And, or not Matthew, Peter. And then Peter says, no way. I'm never, ever going to betray you. Like, Jesus, me and you are boys. Like, it's not going to happen. They come to, get, they come to get Jesus, and Peter's so adamant about not turning his back on Jesus that he cuts off a dude's ear. You remember that part? He, he slices this dude's ear off, and Jesus looks at him and says, those who live by the sword die by the sword. He picks the dude's ear up, even in the midst of about to be put on the cross, and he, he heals the man, the guard's ear. And then Peter, Peter kind of runs away as they take Jesus, and Jesus is under trial, and People recognize Peter because he walked with, with, with Jesus. And so three times they tell him, you were with Jesus. And three times he denies him. Here's what's so interesting about the story. He was told by Jesus that he was going to do it. This is like taking a test and your teacher giving you all ten of the answers on the quiz that you're taking. And you still missing the answers. Like you got to be special to do that. It, it's not like it's, it's days and weeks past and he forgot. It's the same night. I mean, all of us would think we would never be like that. Like, I know they're about to kill us. I know they're about to try to put me on the cross with Jesus. I know my life is going to be on, on the line here. But Jesus told me I was going to deny him, and I told him I wasn't, and I did anyways. What a horrible moment for a man that walked with Jesus. For the man that was a nothing, the only reason he was a something is because he was walking with Jesus. In Matthew 27, it says that Judas, Judas ends up betraying Jesus as well, that Judas is actually the one that brings the, the guards, the temple guards to Jesus to get them to the religious leaders, and he sells Jesus out for 30 silver coins. The Bible says that after he sells them out and he comes to Jesus and he kisses them on the cheek as a sign of betrayal, that Judas goes into this depression which he realizes, I made a mistake. You ever been there? You ever been there when you let God down, or maybe you don't believe in God, you just let somebody else down, and you were, you were just in that, that state of shame where you just can't believe you messed up so bad? And the Bible says that Judas, in the midst of his, of his pain, he tries to give the money back, and he knows he's too late, and it's, Jesus is going to die on the cross, and he ends up going out and hanging himself, and his life ends at the climax of that moment. Here's the question. How did their life end up different? Some of you say, Judas was much worse than Jesus because he, or Peter, because he, he denied Jesus, he sold Jesus, he, he, he got 30 silver coins, he's much worse. I would argue that Peter was much worse because Peter was told that he was going to do it, and then he did it anyways. It wasn't like the first time, he was like, dang it, I got two more chances though. I mean, he clearly, he failed not once, not twice, 
He failed three times. Some of you would say Judas was, was worse than Peter. I would say, really? I would say if we're doing a scale and we're holding it up and we're saying who's the bigger failure here, I would say it's, it's Peter. Their life starts the same. They have the same experience with Jesus. They both do the same hurtful thing to Jesus. Yet when we think of them, their life ends up ridiculously different. If you keep reading the Bible, you find out Jesus is put in the tomb. And while Jesus is in the tomb, Judas hangs himself on a, on a tree and he's dead. I think Peter probably wanted to die as well. I mean, could you imagine as, as they had heard that maybe Jesus was going to come back from the dead and, and, and he knows he denied Jesus three times? I think he's praying. I know what I've heard, but please stay dead. Like if you, were, you rise up from the dead, I'm going to have to deal with this. And I don't know what you're going to do, and I don't know how much you're, how you're going to deal with me, and I don't know if you're going to cast me out. I'm not really sure about our relationship because I denied you three times. And then he starts to hear that Jesus is, has risen, and then Jesus starts to appear to them. I mean, he's walking through walls. He's showing them the holes in his hands. I mean, I can just imagine Peter's there, but he's like in the back, like. Tell me when Jesus disappears again. I mean, he's embarrassed, and he's ashamed, and he's He's worried. The Bible says that, that eventually Simon Peter, that's his original name, goes back to fishing. That's his old way of life. I think that, that he maybe thought that Jesus was going to give up on him. So he goes back to his old way of life, and the Bible says he begins to fish. Judas is dead. Peter's denied Jesus three times. He's still alive, but, but, he's, but he's, he's abandoned his ship. And he's back to fishing, and the Bible says that Jesus shows up on the beach, and the disciples realize it. And I think maybe Peter's like, Again? So here's Jesus in the book of John, chapter 21, and Jesus calls out to Simon Peter. Simon Peter, come here. Come here, I need to have some words with you. Peter's probably thinking, he's going to call down some lightning whip on my head. I mean, I denied him three times. He's going to give me leprosy. He's going to do something really bad to me because that's religion. What you do is what you get. Some of you think that about church today. I'm going to come to church with you today, but I'm scared that the, the, the ceiling's going to cave in on me. And then a lightning bolt's going to shoot down through. Because of all the bad, somebody's going to light on fire next to me. And you just assume that you're going to get what you've given. That God loves you based on, on what you've done. And you don't understand that he loves you based on who you are. And he made you. And he set this time with you. So he calls out, Simon Peter. And Simon comes in. And what's very inter- interesting about John 21, he has this conversation, this very intimate conversation. And three times he asked him, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? And feed my sheep. Do you love me? And feed my sheep. I always wonder why he did it three times because Peter gets irritated with him. But I think he is, he's forgiven G, or Peter for each betrayal that he had. Jesus forgives every sin that we've ever committed, past, present, and future on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so the Bible says that he restores Peter. So the question is, what's the difference between Judas and, and Peter? I'll give you three things, or one thing that's really important, and then a couple other points as, as we, we get moving into baptism. But here, here's the really important thing. The difference between Judas and Peter is Peter stayed alive long enough to receive Jesus' forgiveness. Judas didn't. P- Peter stayed alive long enough. Judas was convinced that he was hopeless. He, he was convinced that his life was broken beyond he, he did what most of us do. He messed up, and then the Bible says Satan, he tempts us to sin, and then after he tempts us to sin, he accuses us of our sin. I mean, he's not just evil, he's evil. 
He gets you to do something, and then he constantly is in your head about what you've done and how bad that you are. And so Judas, he was experiencing what I would call shame. Shame means you are something wrong. It's not, it's not that you've done something. It's that you are something wrong. And so Judas is being, being talked to by Satan, and he's accusing him and saying, you're never going to be okay with Jesus. How could Jesus possibly take you back? How could he forgive your sins? You betrayed him for 30 silver coins. And here's Peter. Peter's on the, on the, on the, on the boat. He's going back to his old way of life. He didn't seek out, seek out Jesus. Jesus sought out him. Some of you in that boat right now. You didn't seek Jesus out today. You're not here by accident. Jesus did everything he could to get you right here in this moment. And the question is, will you let Jesus forgive you today? See, sometimes people say, how you know you're going to go to heaven? I think I'm a good person. No, you're not. You just, you just proved you weren't a good person by the lie you just told about how you were a good person. Like you're only, you're only good because you compare yourself to somebody worse than you. None of us are good, the Bible says. None of us are righteous. None of us will stand before God clean. None of us are impressive to God. What's impressive to God is Jesus. But here's the thing. No matter how bad you are, you are forgivable because Jesus is that good. Will you give Jesus a chance to forgive you or will you be like Judas? You've messed up, you're accused, and you're convinced that you're hopeless and your life is going to end there. Maybe you're not going to hang yourself. Please don't hang yourself today. There's still hope for you. Maybe you don't know there, but maybe you die just in the spot that you are, and your life never gets better. You don't have to live one more second. Take one more heartbeat in the situation that you're in right now. That Jesus set this moment up. That Jesus went to Peter at his lowest, and he calls him to himself, and he forgives every betrayal that, that Peter said. He forgives every sin, past, present, and future. And I think maybe Peter was holding on to that. There was a time in the Bible where, where Jesus comes to Peter, and he says, Peter, how many times should we, we should forgive, forgive somebody? And he's like, a couple times. After that, we'll chop, chop their ear off. And Jesus says, no, man, you're going to forgive him 70 times 7. And every time you preach that, you always got people in their head, they're like, that's 490. And Jesus is going, no, stop. That's a lot of times. He's saying you just keep forgiving people. And I think he remembered what Jesus said to him, and he was holding out hope that maybe even at his lowest, that God would give him another chance. God is a God of, of second and third, and fourth, and if your heart is still beating, God still has a purpose and a plan for your life. Will you allow God to forgive you today? The other thing I see about this story is, is, is that Jesus, he removes every label and changes the legacy for Peter that was over his life. Let's talk about this for a second. When you talk about Judas, what do you think? Betrayer. That's his label. That's his legacy. That's where he ended. That's what he did. How come when we talk about Peter, we never talk about his betrayal? How come the first thing, I mean, we're not in Catholic church and we're not singing a song about the betrayer. We're singing a song about how holy and righteous Peter was and how good he was. And even in our church, the Protestant church, we're thinking about how he preached and he lived out for Christ and he would end up getting crucified for Christ upside down. And he died for what he believed. The second time when he had a chance to turn his back and betray Jesus, he died for him, with him. He loved him that much then. His love was real that he would go and die for his beliefs even though he wasn't wrong. But we don't think about Peter as a betrayer. 
And the reason is, is because Jesus, when he met him on the beach, he took off every label that he deserved, and he changed his legacy. And here's the cool thing about baptism. That's exactly what's happening in people's lives today. Someone's going to see you. They're going to walk up to you. Hey, weren't you that kid that used to do that in high school? You remember that? You're going to meet a teacher, and they're going to look at you and go, they're going to remember who you were. Remember, you put them through hell, living hell on earth, and they're going to come to you, and they're going to say, no, that's not who I am. One of my favorite things is walking and meeting people that Pastor Ian used to know. True story. We've done, we've done, we've done weddings at a Limerick campus where a cop was getting married, and a couple other cops were there, and they all knew Ian from before he got saved. You can talk to him about that later. And he got to tell him, that's who I once was. That was my label that I once had. I was that once, but now I'm new in Christ. And what's so interesting is, is Jesus again calls him Simon. I always found that interesting when he meets him on the beach. He calls him Simon. That's his old name. Jesus renamed him Peter, which meant rock. And this is what he was saying. Without me, you're Simon. Without me, you're just a result of the things that you have done, the mistakes that you have made, the baggage that you carry, the moments that you've experienced. But with me, you're Peter. You're the rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. The church is not filled with good people. The church is filled with forgiven people. And number three, the last thing that, that happens that I, that I think is so, so neat is that is that Peter, for the very first time, knew Jesus. Here's how you know he didn't know Jesus. Because when he messed up, he ran. He ran. Here's how you don't know Jesus today. No, you don't know Jesus. When you fall short, you hide. Now what we always do? Man, I messed up really bad. I'm not coming to church for like six months. And then you come in, you're like, is, is it, have you forgotten about it yet, Jesus? You kind of sneak your way in, and then you take a deep breath because you realize that, that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He's not angry with you. He's already forgiven your sins. Your time, you just come and repent. He's already released you from the bondage of him. Like, just come to Jesus. And I think for the very first time that Jesus and Peter had hung out for three years, but that maybe Peter never understood why Jesus was hanging out with him. I think Peter thought to himself, maybe you're impressed with me. You've seen my knife skills and my nunchuck skills and my bow skills. Some of you got that because you were, you're old like me. It's Napoleon Dynamite. And you've hung out with me long enough. You're just impressed with me, Jesus. And then when he betrays Jesus, he walks away from Jesus. And here's why he walks away from Jesus, because he never knew Jesus in the first place. He didn't understand that Jesus didn't pick him because he was good. Jesus picked him because Jesus was good. And Jesus was going to build his church with the worst of the worst, not with the best of the best. Instead of taking it as a compliment that Jesus picked him, what he should have done is been thankful that Jesus picked him. Jesus was going to start his church with prostitutes and tax collectors and fishermen and all the people who failed when it came to school. That's who Jesus was going to build his church. He builds his church with the weakest things of this world to confound the wise. That's what he does. I don't know if take that as a compliment or be worried. I'm not sure. Because I know who I am without Jesus, and I know where I should be standing, and I know what I would be doing. And it sure wouldn't be this. And I think everybody else who does anything for Christ realizes that. So on the beach, for the very first time, Peter gets to know Jesus. And he doesn't know Jesus as somebody who's impressed with him, but he becomes impressed with Jesus because Jesus forgives his sins. And all of a sudden he realizes, this God loves me and wants to use me not based on who I am, but based on who he is. You see, you, you know you know Jesus today by what you call him. Some of you, when you think of Jesus, you think of a religious figure. 
put him in the same category as Muhammad or Buddha or some other spiritual guru that you know, Oprah. Tupac Shakur, I don't I mean, anybody. You kind of think of Jesus like that. And this is how you think of Jesus. You think of Jesus like them. And Okay, me and Jesus, we're close because I, I've gotten close to him. I'm getting baptized at the church, so I'm going to kind of be stamping my approval, and Jesus is going to be okay with me because I'm getting baptized, and someday I'll get buried at the church. Some of you, you don't go here, but you have membership at some other church that you only go to twice a year. Your parents bought you a, a, a headstone. You're going to get buried there at some point. It's like your insurance card. I don't know when I'm going to die, but I am going to die, so I need to have insurance just to make sure I'm okay when I die. And then you try to kind of keep him happy. Maybe you send your, your monthly tithe there, or maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you send a couple dollars there, or maybe when they have a work day, occasionally you go work there, or maybe when they have a potluck, you make your famous chili. I'm not sure what you do. You know Jesus, but you don't know him well. You know him as a religion. Jesus is not a religion. Religion, the message of religion is God is far away, and if you do enough to get close to that God, then maybe he'll reach out and get you. Jesus said that God wasn't far, but that he came really close, and he got into the deepest, darkest, dirtiest parts of your life, and you don't have to be who you are right now. One more second, because Jesus already paid the price for who you are, and he secured who he wants you to be. You know him, but you don't know him well. Some of you you, 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 you know him, and you know him well in this place. For many of you, I hope that that's the case as you're getting baptized today. You're going to step into that tank, and you know that you're not celebrating yourself today, that you're not celebrating your dedication to God, that that's not what it's about, that you're celebrating God's dedication to you, that while you were at your lowest, that his forgiveness was greater than any failure that you had. And you step into the baptism tank, and you say, you say, Savior, you say, you say, friend. You say, forgiver. You say, this Jesus is my, is my hope. You say, this Jesus is my redeemer. That he bought me back at a high price. And that high price was his life. That he gave up his life for my life in my place. That he died the death that I should have died so that I could live the life that I could never live. And you get in the tank and you, you get lowered in and you know that's representation of all your sins, all of your death, where you should have been going away and you come out a brand new person not because the water is holy but because Jesus is holy Jesus is righteous and you know that you stand in right standing with God because one God looks at you he doesn't judge you for who you are but when he looks at you he looks at you through his son and he's adopted you as a son into his family he's your savior my question is do you know Jesus today some of you are far from God but you're not as far as you think you are. You're only as far as you saying to yourself and to God, I need a savior. I need a forgiver. The difference between you and me or the difference between you and any person who steps into this tank today is the distance of the word forgiver. Jesus. You're not far from God. He's right here with you. And if you would just stop, the Bible says, and you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. I know you're just here to watch somebody. I know, I know you're just here to watch somebody get baptized. I know you were just an innocent bystander standing on the side of the road, sitting in a black chair, and you just wanted to get in and get out. But Jesus had other plans for you today. That you didn't just come here to watch, but you came here to get changed 
by Jesus that long before you came here to watch, that he was watching over that chair that you're sitting in right now. He put you in it for a reason, and he wants to change your life forever. This is a moment that's greater than any other moment for you. This is a moment that will change everything about you, and you don't have to live your life one more day the way you're living it right now. Will you let Jesus forgive you today? Would you stand with me all over this place? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? At all of our campuses, as our campus pastors in the front, we're about to go into baptisms, and I know it's going to be exciting, and I know some of you are here to watch that and celebrate, but for some of you, if I ask you, if you know Jesus and you know him well, no, 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 not if you know him. The Bible says even the demons believe in Jesus. They know he's the son of God. He doesn't care if you know him. You need to come to start a fan club. When he died, he only had 120 followers. He wasn't trying to be popular. He came to change people forever. Maybe you know him, but you don't know him well. There's only one way to follow Jesus, and that's all in. The rich man comes, the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus. He has all these things to live for. He says, what do I need to do to follow you? Jesus says, leave everything and come to me. You know me, but you need to know me well. And some people say, how can Jesus ask him to do that, to leave all of his riches? My question is, think about what he missed out on because of his riches. He was going to be part of the greatest movement this world has ever known. What else has stood for 2,000 years? The Bible says the gates of hell will not stand. The Roman, Roman Empire is the powerful empire this world has ever known. The church was started in the midst of that empire, being persecuted by the emperor. And 120 men and women through the power and authority of the Holy Spirit have changed this world forever. And we are just as a result of their commitment, and we are just as committed as they were of going everywhere and telling everyone about our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't stand here because I'm a good person. I stand here because I am a forgiven person. And my question is, will you let Jesus forgive you today? Will you let Jesus forgive? forgive your sins. Will your legacy be Judas or will your legacy be Peter? The only difference is forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future. With nobody looking around in this place, you say, you know what? I need to know Jesus and know him well. I need to forgive. I need to forgive her right now in this place. I'm going to allow Jesus into my life right now in this moment. I'm not living one more second. I'm not taking one more breath. I'm not letting my heart beat one more time without walking close to my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. If that's you in this place, without even thinking about it, without looking around, without being ashamed, the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and Jesus is here right now. If that's you in this place, this is going to be your moment. This is why that you're here today. Just shoot your hand up in the air, just all over this place. I'm going to make Jesus my forgiver. I see hands, 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 I see hands. Yes, I see hand right here. Yes, 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 yes. Keep your hand up all over this place. Keep your hand up all over this place. If anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. I see another hand right here. I see a hand in the front right here. At our other campuses, just wait till your pastor can see you. I see another hand right here in the back. I'm going to let Jesus forgive me right now. This is going to be my moment. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Freedom from our sin. Freedom from our shame. I'm going to walk out of this place. I'm going to be a brand new person, a brand new creation. Does anybody else say, Pastor, that's me? I see another hand right here. I'm going to give you a couple more seconds. There's people still responding, still responding. Jesus is going to be my forgiver right now, my Savior. Is there anybody else at our other campus? Just keep your hand up high. I see another hand right here. Yes. 
And we'll give people a couple, eternity, eternity can wait. Our eternity is beckoning, so this moment can wait for the baptistry, right? Eternity is a long time. Your eternity is being secured in Christ right now. Your next breath after this breath on earth is going to be with Jesus. And I can tell you, friend, just, and I don't usually do this at, at a church where I want to scare people. But somebody that comes to this church every week, they in a wheelchair, they wheel him in every week, and I talk to him every week. We just found out right before we started first service that he died in his sleep last night. He passed away. I know where he is, and I know he's walking around. I know he's not in that wheelchair anymore. But it also tells me that's, that's exciting. But it gave me a little, little more motivation to preach the gospel today. That this is a significant moment in your life, and so you don't, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss what Jesus is doing. Is there anybody else? Just, just for one more second, church, would you just pray? Is there anybody else say, you know what? I'm not going to miss this moment. This might be my last chance to respond to Jesus. Would you grasp his love for you right now at other campuses? Just one more second. Would you pray with me, church? Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence that was here. We thank you at all of our campuses that many, many people have responded to the gospel. That our legacy is Peter, not Judas. But the only real difference is Peter, he gave Jesus a chance. He gave you a chance to forgive him. So right now, we just give you a chance. The Bible says that we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that you are Lord. That you died on a cross in our place for our sins. You were buried in the tomb and on the third day you rose from the dead. The Bible says we'll be saved. What are we saved from? We're saved from our sin. And we're, we're saved from the penalty of our sin, which was death. And now it's in you that we experience freedom from our sin. And we experience the hope of eternity with you, Jesus. We believe that the last breath we take on this earth, that the very next breath that we take will be with you, Jesus. Not because we're good people, but because we're forgiven people. And I thank you that that is what these tanks are about. They are a celebration of the power of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That is what we're excited about. That is what we're proud of. When we come into this tank, Lord, it represents all of the old stuff that represented our life. When we come out, you've given us new labels and you've given us a new legacy. And I thank you that we know you and we know your love, how deep, how wide, and how great it is, Lord. Jesus, thank you for what you've done in this place. In your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, would you clap with me all over this house?